0: And welcome back to Standby Go, the theater podcast out of Asheville, North Carolina. I am John O'Neill. And for this episode, we have a staple when it comes to community theater in the western part of North Carolina. He's graced the stage for years, entertained thousands, and directed so many wonderful productions all over this part of the state. Please welcome my friend, Mark Jones. There he is. Hey. Hey, Mark. How are you? I am doing great. How are you doing? I'm great. (laughs) Good. Uh, Thanks for being on the podcast. And, um, you know, we've known each other for a couple years now, uh, since 2016, when you and I first did a show together. You were a director, and I was technically the assistant stage manager, but I did all the stage management stuff <laughs> for Alice in Wonderland Jr. at a local charter school. Um, and we have worked on four or five different shows since then. Um, and so when I was sitting down trying to think of what should we talk about, um, i was like well mark mark and i've been in a couple shows together we've been director stage manager he's directed a lot of shows he's been in a lot of shows but i don't want this podcast to be three hours long so i decided to do this in two parts Um, the first part which is this one will be focusing on your acting and your acting career um, and things like that and then part two uh, which will come out next will be focusing on directing. So everything we have today is on acting um, and then we will go into directing next week. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Perfect. Um, So before we uh, jump into your acting and theater career, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself outside of the theater?
1: Oh, okay, well. If there uh, is any. (laughs) My life consists of theater. Um, but I mean, outside the theater, I do have a full-time job. Uh, I work as a sales coordinator at a a hotel in downtown Asheville. I called Hotel Indigo and I've been doing that for about, gosh, in June, it'll be three years. Mm -hmm. Um, but before that I waited tables, like a lot of actors and, and theater people, um, for about 15 years because it's waiting tables is one of the jobs where you can make a lot of money and work fewer hours and have the flexibility to do rehearsals and things like that for theater. So, um, but luckily I found a new job that allows me to work Monday through Friday, basically nine to five, um, which is, an amazing thing to
0: do an amazing schedule for theater. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> exactly. Because now I still have time. I mean, it did take away a lot of maybe teaching the children's classes because I just can't do the four thirty to six anymore mm. or summer camps. But other than that, you know, it allows me to be free for theater. So I love that. Um,
0: so I was, we had to get together at your house. Yeah, uh, a couple uh, a couple of months ago at your apartment. My cheesy and
1: movie musical night.
0: <laughs> yeah, and we watch. Uh, what did we watch that night?
1: The pirate movie with uh, Christopher pi- and Christopher Atkins from I think 1985, um, which is a spoof of the Pirates of Penzance by Gilbert and Sullivan.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. And so uh, when we were, we were taking a tour of your apartment and we went into the room, which I believe you're sitting in right now. This is my office. Yes. Your office. And it had so many different collectibles around, um, around them. Hundreds and hundreds of little figurines, what are they called?
1: They are called Funko Pops.
0: <laughs> Funko Pops. Um, yeah. Why don't you tell us about kind of how that collection got started and um, just uh, some, maybe even some of your favorite ones that are around.
1: Well, I've always collected things. I mean, ever since I was a kid, of course, I had lots of toys growing up and my collection started with Wonder Woman. Um Cause I, in the seventies, I watched Linda Carter on television and I had this fascination with Wonder Woman. And of course I wasn't able to have a Wonder Woman doll when I was a kid, because at the time the whole stipulation, boys don't play with dolls. Mm -hmm. Um, So I didn't get one, but in, but I had GI Joe and He-Man and Transformers, which are technically dolls too. They're just different. Um, But when I In 1994, I managed to track down a 1977 Linda Carter Wonder Woman doll, and so I bought it. Um, It wasn't in the box, but it was in great shape, and that pretty much catapulted my collection. I started collecting Wonder Woman, Mm -hmm. and (laughs) people gave me things, and I ended up... Basically. And you didn't even see any of that stuff because it was all, it's all gone now. Yeah. Um, but I had like three, four shelving units full of Wonder Woman stuff, not just Linda Carter, but the comic book, the, the, the cartoon character. I had statues and dolls and Pez dispensers and anything that had her on it, people would give it to me. And it reached a point one day when I was like, this is just, I have too much. Mm-hmm. And I ran into some financial hardships, So I decided to sell a lot of it to people that I knew on Facebook that were collecting. But then the movie came out three years ago Mm -hmm. and I started collecting some of that stuff too, because I had waited 40 years for a Wonder Woman film. I thought this is kind of special, you know, my my inner child came out again. So the Funko pops, um, I started getting those and then Sarah Fowler, a friend of ours, Mm -hmm. um, she collects them too. And she has them in her um, office at church. And I just started collecting them. And then it became kind of a game that her and I were both give each other pops. Um, But I only collect the Funko Pops that mean something to me. Right. Either they're from a childhood memory or a movie that I love. Because the Funko Pops incorporate basically pop culture. I mean, that's why they're called Funko Pops. Because there are cartoon characters, there are movies, there are you know superheroes, there are and there there's just so many. They're rock stars. I mean, I have Funko Pops from films, from cartoons, from you know I have uh, Freddie Mercury, I have Elton John, I have Britney Spears. <laughs> you know, what I mean, they're like th- and they're they're fun to collect. Um, I do take them out of the box, so technically I'm not a true collector. Right, I leave them in the box, but I just think they're fun and they. You know, every one of them represents something. I'm looking at them now, something in my life that I remember or that I have a fond memory of. Yeah. Um,
0: Do you remember what your? F-
1: toys, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what what is like one or one or two of your favorite ones, if you have them?
1: Oh my goodness. Um, Well, I just got. I love the grease ones. Uh-huh. You know, I have Danny and Sandy. um, Good Girl Sandy and Bad Girl Sandy. Oh, and then yeah. of course, good, good Danny and Bad Danny. Um, those would be some of my favorites. I also have um, Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. And I also have the Labyrinth ones. And those, like, David Bowie and um, Jennifer, Jennifer Conley, who, mm-hmm. who played the, the role in that movie Labyrinth, because that's one of my favorite movies. Um, but, I mean, they're all... Oh, and I have all the Adams family, and I love the Addams family. <laughs> so Very
0: cool.
1: it's just, you know, every time a new one comes out, you know, I get pretty excited. I just got Marilyn Monroe in her white dress, mm-hmm. you know, little shop of horrors. Those are really kind of fun. So, you know, it's like I said, they're all in my office, all on shelving units, and they're kind of categorized so that they fit into a category, you know, certain whether they're film or cartoon or. Disney, you know, that kind of thing. But Very I do cool. probably have over 200 and something.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. But when you like something, it, it's, it's okay.
1: It Yeah. Like I said, they're all in one area. So it's not like my house is overrun by these. <laughs> and, and it's an office. You know, I see people's offices all the time. And now with us all being quarantined, you do see a lot of people's offices and you're like, oh, look, they have fun stuff on their walls and yeah. they have fun stuff on their shelves. So an office should be somewhere that you're creative, especially the theater people. I mean, I have my keyboard in here and my microphone and all that stuff. So this is where I'm creative. So all this stuff allows me to be creative.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, so speaking of being in quarantine time, um, you did something really cool on Facebook um, uh, called the 30 Day Playbill Challenge. Um, can you kind of explain, explaining for those people who may not know what that is, uh, what that is, and just kind of why you got into doing that, and and how much fun you you had in doing that.
1: Sure. Um, I stumbled across it one day uh, as I was scrolling through Facebook or uh, Twitter. I'm not sure exactly where I found it, um, but it's a Playbill 30 Day Song Challenge. I don't even know if it was from this year, to be honest with you, Um, but or if you're even supposed to sing, I think you were just supposed to find songs and post them. Yeah. Um, But I decided, well, I'm a theater person. Why not sing? You know, so I took it each day had a category um, to find a song from a from a musical that fit that category. And so I started doing it. And then a couple of friends joined in and then a couple more friends joined in. Um, some of them didn't make it all the way through and mm-hmm. that's okay. I mean, they, they did it for a couple of days and life takes over and that's fine. Um, but I have had at least two other, three other people that have completed it. Mm-hmm. I completed it about a week ago. Um, that's 30 days. That's a song every day for 30 days.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And... It was fun, you know, and I, I love seeing what people chose. Um, of course, as we'll talk about later, um, I have a lot of musical theater knowledge. So finding songs for me, of course, Google is out there and yeah. I encourage mm-hmm. people to Google and YouTube things because there are so many things out there. You just Google What's a song with a number in it, you know, (laughs) or what's a song with a, with a name in it, you know, and you just, that's how I found some of my songs because I was like, couldn't think at the time, what is a song I could do? Right. Um, but 30 days, you know, I sang for 30 days and it was fun and I can't believe it's been 30 days. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> right, yeah, we we do have a lot of friends who've uh, who've done it. One of them being the uh, the very first episode of Standby Go. Uh, that person was Dylan. He he is doing his slowly but surely. He'll do it every couple he'll days. It, so
1: I think he will complete it.
0: I do too. And Emily, um, who was the last episode, who was the second episode yeah. of of Standby Go, she's also in on it. So yeah, it's really cool to watch people. Sing. I tried to start it. I was gonna start it, um, and my first video was just terrible, and so I didn't put it up. Well, Uh, I I do want to. I I do want to go.
1: Where I would do the video three or four times, and then I finally was like, you know what? It's gonna be what it's gonna be. Yeah. There you go. Because you're your own worst critic.
0: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't like
1: to hear myself sing. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't like to see myself perform. So. I'm not going to be the one, if I, if I sit and judge myself, I'm never going to do anything. So. Yeah. <laughs> but it was nice to see how many people I inspired to do it. There were a couple people that were doing it that were coming out of a shell, yeah. you know, like my niece.
0: Yeah. I was just about to bring her up. Yeah. He
1: has, I mean, she is very shy, but she's very talented mm. and each one she does, she got better and better and she's branching out there. And I love that. You know, there's a lot of people that I've been doing it that, you know, would not normally do something like that. So this is encouraged. I'm glad that I could encourage them to to come out of that, you know, shell out of the hiding and, yeah. and put themselves out there.
0: Um, yeah. The other reason why I don't do it is because I don't want to bug my roommate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure I bug the people below me, but yeah. I would always like try to do it in a short amount of time and then be done with it. So they yeah. wouldn't have to do it some of the ones I did while I was at work because I was by myself. So,
0: yeah. Well, we did um, kind of at the beginning of you doing that 30 day, we did a, a special project that you thought of, uh, which was to get a bunch of people together to sing one day more from, uh, from Miz. Mis. Um, yeah. I got to sing on Horlis, uh, which was very, very, Difficult for me, uh, but I actually went into my office. I like at eight o'clock at night. Went to my office at the at the university. Um, even campus police walked by and was like, "What are you doing here?" And I was like, "Don't <laughs> worry about it. It's fine." Um, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. And, and and you got a bunch of people that the people in this area would uh, would recognize when it comes to their names to doing. There that were
1: theater. more. But they didn't not everybody participated. I mean, I can only send out the request. Yeah, yeah. Give a deadline and then hope and pray that everyone does it. But not everybody came back and that's fine. I, I don't I don't you don't have to. I mean, I made sure that all of the soloists yeah. were going to participate because I want to do it again. And I want to do something different. But yeah. it's just a matter of getting everyone to donate their mo- their time to do yeah. it because it does take time to sit down. And if you don't know the song, learn it. And, you know, that one was probably a hard song. I probably should have chose something easier to get. (laughs) But there's a lot of songs I've thought of that we could do that way. You know, I would love to get some of the students that I've had in Broadway Boot Camp to do something. Um, But it's just a matter of getting them to participate. You know, I tried with that Fame video that that I did um, last week. You know, I sent out a call to about eight or nine people and only about four responded by the deadline. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I could sit and wait longer or I could just go with the people that, you know, did it.
0: Yeah. So, Yeah. And so, in talking about that fame video. So after you did your 30 yeah. day oh, playbill yeah. challenge, <laughs> you uh, then started a, like a, a self-made challenge. It's not a challenge I think I've seen. Um, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, it's not really a challenge. I just decided to, because I am a product of television. You know, born in the 70s, we watched a lot of television growing up, 70s, 80s. That was our babysitter. Turn the TV on, sit in front of it, watch TV. Um, So I have a vast knowledge of television theme songs. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were some great theme songs from my era, you know, growing up. And so I decided to start doing TV theme songs, <laughs> um, and re and recording them myself, singing them and, you know, working with my video editing software that I have and just doing fun stuff. And each one I do, I kind of branch out a little bit and do something different. Um, I decided to take requests mm-hmm. instead of just doing my own. Um, and that got a little out of hand. I had to stop the request because I ended up I think I have 52 songs on the list right now. Oh wow. And I'm only on song 21, if that tells you anything. <laughs> so,
0: that's still rather impressive for it only being a, a week or so, a couple of weeks. I know,
1: but I've done sometimes I've done two songs a day because they're, you know, short, a minute long. Um the editing takes longer I yeah. think the song is. Um but that's because I'm I'm deciding to do them differently as opposed to doing them just live with my cell phone. I actually record myself singing them and then I edit them into a video with the music separately underneath so that it sounds a little more, you know, a little more professional. Yeah. Um, And then the most recent two that I've done involved other people. Um, I did the fame video where I sang it. I recorded that track, on its own so that I could put it into the video. And then I got some of my, our you know theater friends to dance to it. Yeah. And then I edited it together and tried to make it look a little bit like the television show theme song
0: yeah. opening.
1: Um, and then the last green acres, I did green acres with my, our friend Alexa. Um, I asked her to do the girl part and she dressed up and filmed herself in costume and did some, little vignettes that I could add to the video and that was fun to put together too. So, you know, I just want to make people smile. You know, the theater stuff was great, but some of it was depressing songs. Yeah. And with the TV theme songs, it's just, it's just kind of fun because it's, they're fun stuff and it makes people hopefully, you know, laugh and, and smile and have a memory, a sense memory because a lot of the people that are responding to this, grew up with those television songs as well. Um, and the minute they hear something like Laverne and Shirley, it takes them back to a memory that they have. Um, and that's kind of what I was trying to do. And that's what I'm still trying to do. So it's just trying to entertain people in this, in this crazy time.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah, it is a crazy time. And they're a lot of fun to watch. And uh, creative people have to keep creating or we go crazy.
1: Oh, yes. I can't direct, <laughs> so I'm directing from my house. Yeah. That means emailing people and saying, hey, this is what I need you to do. do you, this is the idea. You come up with a costume. You come up with what you're going to do. Film it this way. Videotape it on your phone. Do, do, you know, put your headphones in. Do this. And then send me the video, and mm-hmm. I'll do the rest. <laughs> yeah. So I'm basically directing something yeah controlling how it looks on screen because I'm the one editing it together, so
0: yeah that's really great yeah <laughs> and i i have realized that I've been enjoying doing audio editing and and video editing on my end with with these podcasts and and some other things um so you mentioned a little bit um and i I talk about it to other people, you know I call you the musical theater encyclopedia um there's actually there there was a segment I wanted for my podcasts. Where I would play a little bit of a song, no words, just a little bit of a Broadway song, (laughs) um, and you tell me what what song it is and from what show. Um, I. Don't want to get copyright infringed upon. So I haven't I haven't quite pull uh decided to do that. Um, once I do, I will definitely be me doing it.
1: But for to do it if it was just a small about <laughs>
0: Yeah. But uh for today, and I have an idea for the for the second episode too, but for okay. today, I just want you to give us a couple, it could be two or three, just like little known facts about big musicals that we would all know. Um just to kind of make us go, oh, that's interesting. That's a really cool thing uh, that you know um, that we may not have known about some of our favorite shows.
1: Oh my goodness. Um, Well, I do know of of a blooper um, that I read about Mm -hmm. um, in the show Evita. Mm -hmm. Everyone probably knows Evita. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a movie with Madonna. Um, The original production had Patti Lapone in it on Broadway, but it's about Ava Perone. And we all know the familiar balcony scene. Don't cry for me, Argentina. Mm -hmm. Um, Ava Perón stands in this giant white ball gown um, in front of all the, or behind all of these microphones, and she's singing to the people of Argentina. And she sings, "Don't cry for me, Argentina." Well, what we don't realize is that on that platform that she's standing on, all of those microphones have cords that are coming from them Mm -hmm. and running down. And they're all snaked together, and they're on the platform. She's standing on top of them, basically. Um, Because, I mean, it was the 80s. They hadn't really, the sound systems were probably a lot different then than they are now. Um, But I had read a story about um, the understudy, and her name, of course, is escaping me. Um, Anyway, she was on that, that, she very rarely went on. But she was on one night and she's doing the big number in the ball gown and she's supposed to turn around and walk, you know, walk away. Well, she turned and tripped over the cords and fell. (laughs) And of course, ball gown, huge ball gown. Um, She she said it reminded her of Carol Burnett when Carol (laughs) and the hoop skirts and the the dress went up over. She couldn't get up. So she said the stagehands had to come on and, and help her up in the middle of the show. Now the audio, the show was running. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to think what's another, I have over a thousand cast recordings. Oh wow. Yeah. Jerry Crouch and I, when I met Jerry, when I was 18, he held the record for the most cast recordings that I knew mm-hmm. I've surpassed him by now, but we still have this, you know, this back and forth, um, Banter about you know different shows and things like that and knowledge, yeah. um, of theater. I'm trying to think of another show that you know something that you might not.
0: I'm I, I'm sure probably it'll probably pop up in your brain as we talk. So <laughs> as we talk throughout uh, the rest of this uh, conversation, if you have one, just just pop up and.
1: But but I can say that to all of my theater friends out there, if you need any information about a show.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I've probably got it. I mean, like I said, I have over a thousand cast recordings. Mm. Um, They're in alphabetical order on my shelves behind me. Um, I have a lot of theater books um, behind the scenes of specific musicals and how-tos. I have costume and fashion books. Um, I went to Mr. K's and cleaned out their used theater books that they had from colleges yeah. about set designs and costume because i'm like you never know when you're gonna need it yeah
0: absolutely you
1: know? it's like yeah. four bucks i'll buy a, a huge you know textbook about yeah. set design
0: <laughs> yeah it's always real fun doing a show with you um when you know because you and i both get to the theater really early yes uh, for our shows um and it has been a lot of fun over the last year or so is when we've done all of our shows lately uh, just get to the green room, just sit around the table and usually eating our dinner, yes. uh, just <laughs> hearing random stories about shows or you know shows that we've seen or anything like that. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to move on to um, you as an actor. Uh, when did you get started and how uh, did you uh, how did you get involved in your first play?
1: Well, um I like to say it began in high school, but mm. I, in third grade, I did do a musical in school. Um, it was about a mouse that saved Christmas. Um, he was allergic to cheese mm-hmm. and it made him sneeze. And this cat was lighting fires in the fireplaces so Santa Claus could not come. And a Chew, the mouse that saved Christmas, went around and sneezed out the fires so Santa Claus could come. Um, so that was my first show. I played a Chew. Um, but after that, I really didn't do anything theater-wise. Of course, watched movie musicals and, you know, saw saw productions on stage. The first musical I ever saw on stage was Cats, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a, a national touring production of it. Um, and then I saw some regional theater and things like that. But in high school is when the bug really bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I was a freshman in 1988, uh 89, we did Greece. And it was the first musical that Inca had done Inca High School had done in a really, really long time. And it was so much fun. And I enjoyed that. You know, I played duty. Mm -hmm. Um so I got to sing those magic changes. And then the next year we had and I was also in show choir. So that was very theatrical in a way. As opposed to chorus, you you know, it was before Glee you know was popular. Yeah, Yeah. I was in show choir. Um It wasn't like Glee, but it was close. We did wear flashy clothes, and we did dance and sing. um, And everybody wanted to be in show choir. Um, That was in chorus because it was an audition-only group. Yeah. Um, But then the next year, we had an actual musical theater class at Inca, and we did Once Upon a Mattress. Um, And then I branched out and started doing, um, because there wasn't enough theater in my life, I decided to do something with Tanglewood Children's Theater, which was at UNCA at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I did a show called Jack and the Beanstalk. Um, and I still have the playbill for that somewhere. Uh, but I it was when I first met Lori Hilliard or Lori Beland <laughs> mm-hmm. at the time. She was in college at UNCA. Um, and I met her and did a show. And then the next year I did, we did Oklahoma at Inca. And I kind of didn't really like that show that much. Mm-hmm. But um I did help the 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 teacher direct it. So that right. was directing started. We'll talk about that later. Um, but I did do another UNCA Tanglewood show, but then I was too old, so I couldn't do any more. Um, because you once you hit 17, you were out. Yeah. Um, but after that, I graduated, you know, senior year, didn't do anything, graduated from high school and immediately auditioned for uh, Asheville Community Theater. And there you go. <laughs> the rest uh, is free.
0: Yeah. So um, what so after you did your first show, after you did Grease, what about that experience made you think, yeah, I want to get back to that. I want to keep doing this.
1: Uh, well. I love the movie musicals I did. Mm. I grew up watching them, you know, Wizard of Oz, um, which was probably the first movie musical I can remember seeing. Uh, and then Unsinkable Molly Brown and Seven Brights for Seven Brothers. I loved anything with singing and mm. dancing in it. And when I did Grease, um, at the time I thought we were amazing. I go back and look at the video now and I'm like, we were so not <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun and we had a lot of fun and I met some really cool people and you know, I just realized that theater brought different people together. Um, musical theater, especially, you know, there's so many different types of people that do it and you become a group. And, you know, I was in a show with the popular kids and the jocks and the, and we were all kind of on equal grounds. Um, and it was fun and I love singing and I love dancing. Um, well, I'm not really a great dancer, but I do love it <laughs> but that's yeah, that's I really why I liked it I mean it, it was you know, and I also found a place where at the time, you know you were kind of high- I was kind of hiding i was I'm, I still kind of am an introvert mm-hmm. in a way, but the theater the musical theater allowed me to be someone different and to be an extrovert and to have people pay attention to me, yeah, you know. Because, you know, I didn't feel like I was paid a a lot of attention to growing up. And, you know, that's a whole nother issue. (laughs) So we won't talk about that. (laughs) Uh, You know, it it, it gave me a place where, you know, I could be noticed. Yeah, that's
0: really, that's really cool. Um, As we, so you, you mentioned, so after you graduated high school, is that that's when you first found ACT? Yes. Um, and so, what was your first show with AC with Astral Community Theater?
1: Uh, it was Camelot.
0: Camelot? Okay. And um, I
1: was the director. Okay. And I auditioned for it um, and ended up getting cast in the ensemble. I think I was 18 mm-hmm. years old. Uh, that's where I met Jerry. Jerry Crouch was uh, King Arthur. And there's still a few people there now that I think were involved with Camelot. Uh, even though it's been what twenty, twenty six, twenty seven years later, wow. <laughs> um, that's how long I've known Jerry, and you know Camelot was just kind of it wasn't really a show that I cared for in the sense of it does it's not one of my favorites, but yeah. it was a musical, and I felt like I had hit the big time because I was suddenly in a show yeah. that was performed for three or four weekends. And I would go to the theater, you know, three nights a week, four nights a week and do the show, you know, and there was lots of other actors there that had been doing lots of other shows. And so I started becoming a little fan star crazed, you know, cause like these people were stars in my eyes, mm-hmm. even though now that I've reached that status, I guess, in other people's eyes, I don't, it's hard to believe that I ever thought, Cause they're now friends of mine. Like I, we're now peers, these people that I looked up to, <laughs> like, yeah. this is crazy to me that I've now reached that, you know, that status, I guess. Um,
0: but yeah. cool. So, so you mentioned you've been there, you know, for about, for about 26 years, how mm-hmm. many shows would you say that you've acted in about Around in that, at that theater.
1: At that theater? Yeah. Oh my. Um, I would say it's probably up in the 20s. I mean, maybe fewer because even though I've been there a long time, um, I haven't done as many shows, especially as an actor. I mean, I was in Camelot, I was in uh, My Fair Lady. I was in Little Shop of Horrors, Bye Bye Birdie, The Fantastics, um, Oh Lord. Hairspray, Adam's Family, Cabaret, um, Gypsy.
0: Young Frankenstein.
1: Young Frankenstein. So I've hit 20. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Which we'll get um, to, which we'll get to. So
1: probably about 21 that I've been in. Right. Um, but I also, at the, when I first started out at ACT, I loved it so much that I did anything. I mean, I ran the lightboard for Nonsense in the 90s. Every show, because I loved it so much. And that was back when the stage manager sat behind the proscenium, not right. at the booth. Right, yeah. So I would sit on headset and I ran the lightboard for Nonsense. And I loved, I didn't know, any, you know, any of those people, those women, but Janet Oliver, you know, was one of them. And I just was flat, just like enamored with her and Angelina, jean Spencer, all these women. I just loved them. And I wanted to be a part of the show because I loved it so much.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but I ran lights. I, I worked backstage. I did whatever I could to right. be, a, you know.
0: Is there anything at Asheville Community Theater that you haven't done? Like obviously not every show, but like an aspect of like I know you've helped uh, create costumes because I know you helped with Wizard of Oz and making uh, some costumes. You've run the light board. I'm assuming you've probably ushered a time or two. I've
1: ushered. Uh, I worked, worked in the backstage. box office. I've worked the concession stand. I've run a light board. Um, I've painted set. Mm-hmm. I've as I helped with costumes for Wizard and Alice both. Um, and Gypsy back in the day. I painted uh, the stripper Tessie Chura's butterfly wings. Um, I was bored one night, so I was like, can I do something? So we put the wings up and I painted them. And so every night she went out wearing my <laughs> butterfly wings that I painted. Um, so yeah, and Gypsy was actually the first show where not only was I in it as an actor, but I also ran lights for that show as well during the show because – if anyone that knows Gypsy it's such a strange, it's a great show. It's one of the best shows ever ever written, in my opinion. Um, but the show is so bizarre because if you're an actor in it, you know you only have like two characters that really go through the whole show. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you have two little girls and they're in two scenes, and then they go, and then you have you know some young boys, and then they go away, and then you have some grown boys, which was was me, and I was in three scenes, and then I was done. By the end of act one, I'm done. (laughs) So I was like, is there anything else I can do? So I would sit backstage in act two and I would run the chasers, Mm -hmm. the light bulbs around the front of the stage and around the proscenium. So when mama rose and gypsy did their strip, I was back there operating the chaser lights and turning them on because things were way different than they are now. Now everything run from the booth, but back then it required someone sitting backstage to push a button to make the lights come on and off and go faster and slower. So I would sit backstage in act two and run the lights for, <laughs> for that. Cause I was so, I was like, I can't just sit around and do nothing.
0: So, yeah. 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 And one other thing, um, you know, for people who don't know about Astro community theater or know very little, uh, they also have a black box called 35 below, which is literally under the main stage. The backstage area of 35 Below is the pit of the stage of the main stage, yes. and you've also done some stuff there.
1: Yeah, I didn't count those in my shows that I've done yeah. at ACP. Um, I think I've done one, two, about four, mm-hmm. four shows down there, um, and I was supposed to be doing one that was opening this coming Friday, but
0: yeah, that's I been postponed. Say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah postponed. Oh, <laughs> right, Pushed back postpone. to next year.
1: Miss Gulch returns, but um, I think we're bringing it back next year. Uh, I don't want to give the official word yet because I'm waiting for...
0: Right, for okay. the official word, yeah, yeah.
1: All of that stuff, but I don't think it'll be an issue, but it looks like we're going to be doing it next year. So I'm excited because that was going to be my first one-man show.
0: Yeah, um, which yeah. I've also been interested in doing. Uh, yeah. I think I think it's an interesting challenge uh, to do one of those.
1: Well, and I'm glad that I've got another year because... I was having some vocal issues last year um, and, but now I'm back in full swing, which is wonderful because um, I was so worried I was losing my voice and mm-hmm. you know, wizard. I did lose my voice. Um, I lost my voice in footloose. I barely made it through nonsense last year. So it's like, you know, what am I going to do with the one man show? I have to sing 12 songs all by myself. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that I've got another year now to be really ready to go when it happens.
0: So, yeah. I would I I think at some point in my career I would love to do Santa Land Diaries.
1: Oh
0: yeah. Yeah, I think that would well, that would are, be a fun they, one.
1: They do it all the time and they keep changing the actors up. So, yeah. <laughs> Get yeah. Your name to the
0: pot. Yeah. Um so, uh, you know, out of all the years and all the mini shows that you've uh acted in, um you know, it's live theater, so things go wrong all the time. Do you have any uh, funny stories of things that went wrong and uh, that are memorable in your head and went wrong and then you or somebody else in the cast or the entire cast just kept going? Um, or maybe it happened during rehearsal and the director was like, we're keeping that. Um, just any funny, any funny stories like that over, you know, your years?
1: Oh, my goodness. It's funny. <laughs> i i you know it's like I can think of things I mean, I mean, I can think of like moments when people forgot
0: lines um or a part of their song
1: or a part of their song like the Wizard of Oz <laughs> that was, but it's like the older I get, the less I can remember from the old days, yeah, um, I remember in cabaret. Uh, luckily this, and this goes out to actors. You have to listen when you're in a scene, you can't just spout your lines off because they're memorized. You have to pay attention. Um, because in cabaret, I was working with, um, the actress playing Sally and she jumped in our scene. She jumped like two pages. Oh, wow. But the part about it was, is that she jumped important information that needed to be said or nothing would make sense. Yeah. Um, for those that don't know in Cabaret, the character Sally finds out she's pregnant. And that's what she skipped. <laughs> oh, no. And so I'm listening and I'm like, oh, wait, she just skipped. What are we doing? So the yeah. whole time she's talking and I think I could see in her eyes she realized what she had done. But she didn't know how to fix it. So I'm, the whole time I'm watching and intently listening to her, I'm thinking, I got to bring this back around. I got to find a way to bring this back around or we're not going to get, you know, this is not going to work. So I had to think on the fly and, you know, get it back around. And I did. And we got the whole, you know, got that moment back in. Um, And then we went off stage. She was like, Oh my God, thank you so much. Um, I can remember, you know, some of the memories I have are about other people. So I don't know if I should tell them because it wasn't
0: really,
1: (laughs) it was funny to me. Um, but I don't know
0: if they, you know. Yeah. And for those, those who don't know the story of what Mark and I mentioned um, a, a, a couple of minutes ago, uh, during Friends and Family Night of Wizard of Oz, uh, I, as a cowardly lion, was ready to sing my solo, the first solo. Um, and I start the music. There's no intro. Uh, there's a cue line I start my I start the song, and the music comes off of me. I don't know what happened um I, w- I- it wasn't a nerves thing um I just could not remember the words to the song and so I'm standing there and we're know, all
1: looking at him like
0: Wizard oh. of Oz, yeah Wizard of Oz we had oh. over thirty people in our cast, and <laughs> the friends of family we all get we all get like four tickets. And so the entire theater was packed, not an empty seat in the entire theater. And I'm standing there. They're all watching me. There's a spotlight on me. And I look to the right and here are my three coast co-stars standing there staring at me. And all I could think was, I don't know the words to the song. (laughs) Um, The only thing that made it funnier was I just started humming. Um, I didn't, didn't know what to do. So I just started humming. Um, and what was funny is we got to the end of the first, the end of the first line of that song. Um, I would jump and then the other three would jump. And so instinctively, I don't know how you all thought all of this through all three of you did that hop, <laughs> even though there was no words or music to do it with. And then I, and so I was humming and then I finally was like, you know what, just go to the next, uh, the next verse. So I did. I went to the next part, and we did it, and it yeah, was fine. We it got it was through. fine. Luckily, luckily, it happened during uh, Friends of Family. Um, that is the that is the reason why I went through all the lines and song before I went on stage. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, even now, when it, it's I can't even think of it. Life is sad, believe me, Missy. When you're born to be a sissy. See, now you got Not it. Uh, I will probably never forget that line.
1: I do. I just, while you were talking, I did think of a moment that I remember being funny. Um, And it wasn't that anything was messed up. It's just something, you know, happened and an audience member made a noise and it was funny. Um, In Hairspray, Mm -hmm. I played Corny Collins. And actually, Hairspray was my first, I had been gone for a while. Um, I left Asheville in 2001,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, but I had not done a show at ACT. since probably 98 or 99. So technically I was gone from ACT from 99 until Hairspray, which was in 2012.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Well, as an actor, i had come back in 2010 to direct something. But when I moved back to Asheville in 2005, there was, I kept trying to audition for ACT and I just never kept getting in. And um, it was just a different place at that time. So, um, my time was not that until 2010, but in 2012, when I did um, Hairspray as Corny Collins, that was my first time on ACT ACT stage in like 13 years. And I was doing a scene with Leslie Lang Mm -hmm. who played Velma von Tussle. And we were downstage. She was great in that. Yeah. We were downstage front and we were arguing about something and I said something to her and anybody that's a vocalist or on stage, knows that you produce a lot of spit. And that's good because, and if you go to see a Broadway show, the actors spit. It happens. Yeah. But I said something to her and spit right in her face. I mean, the lights caught it. You saw it go, and you saw it hit, and she went. <laughs> <laughs> what was so funny about it was the audience, some of the audience went. Ew! (laughs) They made a noise, and it was just like I was so embarrassed because I'm like, oh my god, I just spit on Leslie. Yeah. Um, So we went off stage. I was like, I'm so sorry. She's like, it's so it's okay. It's it happens. But the lights hit it just perfectly. Yeah. (laughs) You know. Um, Yeah. So I remember that happening. Um, That was a show that I had a lot of hairspray was a lot of fun. I'm so glad that that was the show that I came back with. Um, Things were back to normal. Um, it was a lot of fun. I had hair, high hair, um, Stephen Veltman, my hair got so long and was teased like Conan and Brian. It was so tall. I never showed <laughs> it higher because it kept growing. Yeah. Uh, everyone else got to wear wigs, but nope, it was my hair curled and teased and hair sprayed.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but I have a lot of fun. It actually got me the cover of the playbill
0: for an entire season. Oh yeah. Is that the picture where yeah, it's, it's like you. Yeah, you. Oh, wow, that was Playbill, and it's also
1: on the cover of some kind of capital campaign brochure too. So it's a good way. picture. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um. W- yeah, I would love to do Hairspray. I want to play it's Edna. Fun. I want to play Edna in Hairspray. Yeah,
1: it's fun. You'd be good. Um,
0: so you've you've kind of you've kind of hit on, especially with Corney Collins, but what are just some of your favorite? one, two, or three just favorite roles that just kind of stand out in in your head over the entire time.
1: Okay. So, and what we haven't talked about is the time I've also been acting at another theater too. Oh (laughs) Uh, yeah. When I came back to Asheville, when I was in Richmond, Virginia, which is where I moved to, um, I did shows up there. Um, That was when I started getting paid yeah. Because they had more professional theaters up there. So I did some children's theater, uh, Charlotte's Web and Honk, the musical. Um,
0: oh, I've done Honk.
1: Yeah. And I love that show. I've done that show actually twice. Once as an actor, once as a director. Um, and I got paid. Uh, they also had a summer theater up there that was um, free to the public. Mm-hmm. They would do the Parks and Recreation would foot the bill and they had a live orchestra. And all of the actors in town would um, basically, I don't want to say slum it, but we were all slumming at summer theater. They would do a full-fledged musical costumes in an outside amphitheater, and it was free to the public. So when we did, I remember one night when we did Into the Woods, we had 4,000 people show up. And because they, they clock them when they enter the, the bowl where they sit, it's kind of like Montford, but much, 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 much bigger. Yeah. Um, and so when we would do shows out there. It was so great, especially when we did Into the Woods. We were outside. The breeze was blowing. We would look out into the audience. There'd be people with their candles and their picnic blankets. And, you know, when you would achieve silence in the bowl is what we called it, you knew you had them in the palm of your hand. Um, but I did that stuff. And when I came back to Asheville – Um, ACT wasn't I wasn't getting cast at ACT um, because they had gone to a group of different directors, and it was just a weird time. Um, But I went to Hart in Waynesville, Mm -hmm. a Haywood Mm -hmm. Arts Regional Theater, and auditioned for Ragtime, and was cast in a lead role. No one there knew me, so it was just kind of like, oh, great. So I started doing shows there. So in that time frame from 2005 to 2012, when I did Hairspray, I was acting – just not at ACT. I had found my home at heart at that time. And I did many shows there and many roles. Um, so that leads me back into some of my favorite roles. Um, one of them would, would, be Lurch in the Addams family mm-hmm. at ACT uh, that I was doing cabaret when they announced that they were going to be doing the Addams family the next season and cabaret at ACT, I was playing cliff. And I remember telling Jerry, I was like, oh, you're directing that. Great. I want to play Lurch. And he was like, but why? Lurch doesn't have any lines. And I was like, because its it looks like a fun character. I mean, like the makeup, the, the whole thing. So I came and auditioned for Adam's Family, and I was the only person that auditioned for Lurch because most actors go in, want the part with the biggest lines and the biggest songs. And I was like, "Nope, I want a character that's going to be remembered. And Lurch was my character that changed the way people saw me Mm -hmm. in a way because I was unrecognizable on stage (laughs) with my haircut and the makeup that I did 45 minutes every night. Um, And I got to have fun. There was no preconceived, like I really just kind of blocked what I did. You know, Jerry would do the scenes and then I would decide what I was going to do within those scenes. And he would tell me yay or nay. And, Sometimes I stole the scene, I think in some moments people would be watching me to see what I was doing, you know, and that was, so that's one of my favorite all time roles. And I would do that role again in a heartbeat Mm -hmm. um, because there were no lines to memorize. It was perfect, you know, but I showed up, did my makeup, did the show. Uh, Another role that I really, really would be one of my favorites is Seymour in Little Shop. Um, I've done that that role three times. Uh, I've done the show five times, um, okay. once as the director, once as the choreographer, and three times as Seymour. Um, I don't know if I would want to do Seymour again, even though I'm technically the right age for it now. Um, but I would love to go back in and do the show as a dentist. I think it'd be fun to play that character.
0: Yeah.
1: But um, and the other show, the other role that means a lot to me is when I played the MC in Cabaret. And I've done that show. I've done cabaret three times, uh, but I've played the MC twice, and I played Cliff the third time. So that's two completely opposite extremes. But yeah, yeah. You know, the first time I did cabaret was in 1999, and at that time I had been the boy next door for you know for 10 years. And everyone's like, oh, you're you're the typecast, you're the boy next door, you're the ingenue, the male ingenue. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want to be the character. So I kept saying I want to do the MC. And people are like, oh, that's not the role for you. I'm like, well, it is. You just have to see it. So I went to Warren Wilson College and uh I knew the music director there, and he they were doing cabaret. And I had done a show with them in '96. I'd done Into the Woods. So they already knew me. And the, the music director called and said, we're doing cabaret. Would you like to come? We need some people from the community to audition. Um, and I was like, sure. So I auditioned for the MC and got it and proved to all the naysayers that I could be something other than the boy next door um, with leather shorts and fishnets and bright red hair. And, you know, it was fun. And from that point on, I don't, I don't think I ever wanted to go back to being the boy next door. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I want to play the characters. That's why, you know, that's what theater is about. I like playing the stuff. That's not what people think you're going to do. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one of the fun things about, about acting is that you get to play so many different types of people. Unless of course you're typecast. Um, That typically happens like at a theater. Is that like a director will see you. They'll watch you in a play. I'm like, oh yeah, I like him. My my biggest typecast was um, I worked at a theater in Fayetteville, uh, a little community theater where I was the the loud announcer guy for everything. <laughs> if the show had a loud announcer guy. That was me. Like I played the MC in uh, Guys and Dolls. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so any role that had a guy come on stage and announce things, that was me. Uh, but the, but the time that it really worked out was when I did Annie get your gun. And I was able to be Buffalo, but Buffalo Bill Cody, because oh, yeah? that is his role is he comes out, but he gets to be flashy because it's his show. So he gets to wear sequins and glitter and tassels and things like that. Um, so I want to, I I'll just hit on, um, the latest show that you and I did together where we both acted in that's wizard of Oz. Uh, you played the Tin Man, I played the Cowardly Lion, um, but there are a lot of cool things about you being the Tin Man within that theater. One of them being, um, that your uncle played the Tin Man at Asheville Community Theater years ago. Um,
1: 1973.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And we actually, we have a really cool picture of, it's you and your uncle with me and the guy who played the Cowardly Lion. In that production. In that production, um, which is a really cool because they had a, a Tanglewood reunion or, a, or Asheville Community Theater reunion or something like that and had all of us together, which is a really cool thing. How was it playing the same role as your uncle in the same theater?
1: Uh, well, it was it was very special to me. I mean, when I had auditioned for The Wizard of Oz when ACT did it, the ninety was it not ninety five two thousand five when they did it mm-hmm. um, I had just come back into town and I didn't get cast, and it kind of hurt because I really wanted to play the role, and I thought I'll never get the chance again um but then of course, we just did it, and that was just the universe telling me that my time was not gonna be that show um which is fine because a lot of things happened during that show that I'm glad I was not part of. <laughs> we won't go into that. Yeah. But um, but our show, um, it was just a lot of fun. I, you know, growing up, my uncle was one of the few people I knew in my life that was involved with music. Um, he was music director at SART for a long time. And so I saw a lot of productions that he had music directed there. Uh, Man of La Mancha being the first one I remember And I love that show. I fell in love with that show. Um, That's a dream role of mine to play Don Quixote sometime. Um, But he was kind of my catalyst for musical theater in a way. Um, Because he had played Schroeder when he was in school. And so when I was growing up, there were little Charlie Brown statues upstairs in what used to be his room at my grandparents' house. Mm -hmm. And so I had made this vow that I'm going to play these roles one day that he played. Uh, well, I've already played Schroeder, um, so Tin Man was <laughs> next online, and I thought I'll never get to play it. I'm getting too old, you know, and so I finally can cross that one off the list too. Um, but he doesn't do musical theater much anymore. He he did start for a while, and then now he just teaches music at Furman yeah. in South Carolina. So
0: yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, I love that show. I mean, that's that show has a special place in my heart too. Um, It was the first show I ever did. It's the show that I've done the most. I've done it four times. um, And I have also played the Tin Man. So it was, it was, I still think I was, I'm the biggest Tin Man to have ever been a Tin Man. Um, (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, playing, playing the Cowardly Lion was just, it it was the first time I ever played one of my dream roles, which, uh, which made it, even more special and then getting to share the stage with you and and faith and Dylan and everybody else in that amazing cast, uh, with the amazing costumes that we had and the sets, it was just a lot of fun. I could have done it many more weekends.
1: It was a lot of fun. Um, I vocally could not have done it. (laughs) Um, but I realized that having stepped away from that production that a lot of my issues vocally, were because of the hairspray yeah. that I was putting in my hair every night, and partially the makeup too, maybe the powder and everything. Yeah. I think I was just—it was just getting in my throat. Um, the hairspray, especially,
0: yeah,
1: you know. But the show itself, I loved doing it. I could put that costume on anytime you want me to, and do it again because it was so much fun.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: You know, The Wizard of Oz has always been a childhood just the movie and being a part of it. I mean, I've always wanted to be a part of The Wizard of Oz. So having done the show and even going to, to The Land of Oz <laughs> last July or, you know, yeah, June, excuse me, um, and actually getting to walk down the Yellow Brick Road and, you know, which is a theme park. I, those of you that don't know when I say The Land of Oz, um, there is a, an old abandoned theme park in north carolina about two hours from Asheville on beach mountain um and it has been reopened partially throughout the year and it has been repainted and re you know refurbished um no rides anymore but just the fact that you can walk down the yellow Brick road and it's beautiful up there um so that was my wizard of oz year was that plus doing the wizard of oz yeah. and then it was supposed to be the third wizard of oz theme this weekend with miss gulch coming up um, but and and I was supposed to go to the land of Oz again this year, but you know, that's not happening right yeah. now. So, um, so my, my Wizard of Oz dreams have been slightly altered this year, <laughs> yeah.
0: But we'll get to we'll get to back to a, a, a somewhat normal area where we can uh, yeah. do it because I know I was looking forward to it. Um, I'm pretty sure the entire cast of Wizard of Oz was going to come at one point, uh, to see you do that. And I uh,
1: actually found out. Online the other day too, um, on, a, on, a, on a Wizard of Oz collector site on Facebook, and he was playing the Miss Gulch returns cash recording, mm-hmm. and a lady commented, "I don't know this person." Commented, "Yeah, I was making a trip to North Carolina this year because I saw that it was being done at a theater there, and I was going to go to the Land of Oz and go see Miss Gulch, and now I'm disappointed." And I was like, "This complete <laughs> stranger." Yeah. i going to come see my show. So I messaged her and said, hey, I'm the actor that's going to, was going to do it. Don't worry. i think I'm doing it next year. <laughs> so, yeah. That's awesome. I was, I was probably going to end up selling out. I had pretty much based on what I was hearing. I thought the show would probably sell out.
0: Oh, probably um, every single seat, every single night.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I was you know, looking forward to that. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, um, I want to move on to uh, my last question and it's the last question that I ask everybody. And I will ask you this on both of our episodes. Cause I, I, I have a feeling you probably have different answer to this one for acting and one for uh, one for directing, but why theater? Why acting?
1: Oh, <laughs> well, we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but, um, i I just i guess growing up, I sometimes felt a little ignored sometimes because I had this like vast imagination um with musicals and movies and reading and records and t v and and all this stuff. I had just a huge imagination, and I just don't think my family got it sometimes, so You know, I can remember sitting in the backseat of the car trying to get my mom and my sister's attention, you know, and I just, they just didn't really get what I got. and weren't necessarily where they weren't interested. It's just, they just didn't get it. Mm -hmm. So when I found the theater, I found a place where people paid attention to me and they came specifically because I had the vast imagination and I was like, people are paying to see me you know, to pay attention to what I'm doing on stage for two hours. I love this. So, um, yeah, it was just because I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be noticed mm-hmm. and I don't mean noticed in the fact that I wanted to be a star. I just wanted someone to notice me, yeah. you know, and I, that's like a line from a movie, but I can't remember. Oh, it's from gypsy. One of my favorite musicals at the end, you know, when Mama Rose finally reaches her, you know, pinnacle and her, her, her last, um, her daughter is leaving her, you know, the, one of the last things she says is, you know, like, why did you, why did you do all that for us as kids? And she's like, I just wanted to be noticed,
0: <laughs> you
1: know, yeah. so that's kind of like why I did theaters because I just wanted to be noticed and it kind of grew into a, you know, I found a place where I could belong and where my creativity, you know, could come out because sometimes it doesn't turn off.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. Like I said earlier, creators have to create.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. I can't. I I sleep sometimes and my brain just will not turn off. And that's why I have to write things on notebooks and save things on computers and record things because it's just a multiple, just lots of, you know, I usually have about three or four shows in my head at one time that I'm working on. Yeah. You know, and that's what's so hard right now is because those shows I've been working on, who knows if they're going to happen. So it's like, where do those ideas go? <laughs> you
0: yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, Mark, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to be on this podcast. And uh, thank you for also agreeing to do two different yeah. uh, parts. Um, be on the lookout for the next one, uh, yeah. which will probably be a week after this one is posted um and, yeah and so where we will focus and dive more into mark's directing history his philosophies of directing and why he does directing as always you can find my podcast on anchor um apple podcast spotify android podcast pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast and uh, also uploaded to uh, youtube so thanks for everybody for listening to stand by go and until next time